Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. It's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. On the show today, we welcome back Christoph Nierink who is the CMO or global CMO of Avon Cosmetics. And we last talked to him on episode 208. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that because at that point in time, Christoph was the Walgreen Boots Alliance lead of global brands portfolio. And we talked a lot about the work that they were doing there. We went pretty deep in things like first party data, but on this show, Talking about Avon, we talk about a brand revitalization effort that's underway. We talk about how he's, why he joined Avon and what the purpose of the company is and how that comes to life and their direct selling force across the world and much, much more. You must check out this conversation and I hope you enjoy it with my friend Christoph Nering. Christoph, welcome back to the show. <laughs> You were uh, you were on episode uh, 208, I think the last time when we talked, you were at Walgreens Boots Alliance at that point in time, leading global brands and the global brand portfolio. We learned that you grew up in Belgium at that time, and, and everyone's going to hear your accent here in a moment. But we also, we were in the middle of the pandemic, and we learned that you had a bit of an obsession with the mother-in-law's tongue plant. And so... 
thought we'd cut, start off with asking how the plants are doing. Well, yeah, the, the plants are actually doing very well, uh, it, you know, despite years of abuse. In the meantime, none of them have actually died. So, so yes. you know, I've tried drying them out, overwatering them, anything. I guess they're definitely living up to their name, mother, mother in in law tongue. <laughs> feel sharp as ever <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that's so funny we're not on video here for listeners but when we were on video earlier they were all spiking up behind you it was very Absolutely. dramatic so <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely become a trademark everybody's always asking me how the plants are doing <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it well last time we talked you were at a different job different role what was the path to transition to the chief marketing officer role now at Avon. Yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, indeed, that was in the, I think it was in April 2020, last time we spoke, so, so a while ago, uh, and still having lots of fun, uh, you know, with the, the, the global brands portfolio at, at Walgreens Boots Alliance, which, which kind of consisted of, on the one hand, uh, the own brand portfolio, as we called it, you know, everything with the Walgreens and the Boots logo, and then, uh, kind of a, a what we called our, our in-house CPG business, where we nurtured brands like Number Seven, Desert, etc., which we not only sold in our own retail but also outside of our own retail, and that was a really exciting exercise in you know making. British brands, uh, because most of them were actually British born and raised and grown brands, making them globally relevant and then launched them outside around retail in multiple countries outside of the UK. So that was, uh, that was really exciting. Uh, you know, and along the way, learned a lot around uh, data-driven marketing by, by really activating that you know all of the first party data and you know in the last episode i talked a lot about that and how how i leveraged kind of you know 120 million customer records to to kind of give our brands a competitive advantage through martech etc so that that was all amazing but then yeah uh, all of a sudden ding dong uh, avon calling and first i was like oh but i'm having fun right now but then i started looking into the uh, the opportunity and it definitely teased me away uh because you know I, First of all, I had been at WBA for about seven years, so you know, I had a nice long stint and, and made a significant impact on the business. But uh, on the other hand, this felt like a fresh new opportunity. And probably if I think about the main reasons why I went there, I think it's an incredibly purposeful business. And that, that on many levels, actually, if you think about the business model, actually, uh, because we have, you know, for people who don't know, Avon is a direct selling business, uh, which means that we actually sell our beauty products through representatives. So we're kind of B2B2C model, if, if you want. And, you know, in a way, 25% of, on average, uh, of, of every product goes to actually those female entrepreneurs. And we have 5 million representatives worldwide who basically sell Avon. So it's it's really the business model in itself that is, is, is first of all, very purposeful, but then equally, you know, we've been giving over a billion uh, dollars, not a million, a billion dollars over the course of our existence to breast cancer and gender-based violence causes. Uh, so, so, you know, it's an incredibly purposeful business and, and that is quite important. And then as Avon became part a few years ago of the Nature & Co group, uh, sustainability has definitely, you know, risen to the forefront. And, and as a company, we're definitely now, you know, in the leader pack when it comes to sustainability. And, you know, joining a purposeful business is really important for me. But I guess in, on the second side of it, uh, what teased me in is probably the challenge because, 
the brand uh, has, you know, for, for a myriad of reasons, uh, been in decline for quite a while now, but it's still a formidable and iconic brand, you know, uh, kind of nearly $4 billion in turnover, uh, you know, and it's 135 years old, still the biggest fragrance brand in the world. So, you know, getting getting your hand on a brand like that and being part of the team that needs to turn it around felt like a, a really amazing uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So, yeah, those were kind of the two things that kind of got me over the line and said, like, yes, it feels like the right, the right next challenge. Yeah, well, I think as a young kid, I still remember my mom's visits with the Avon lady <laughs> in my neighborhood. And, you know, she lived around the corner from us. And the Skin So Soft product was the thing I remember most because used to have to be, like, doused in that to go outside to keep the mosquitoes, mosquitoes away. away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it, it was, I mean, even then it, it was quite an interesting dynamic of women selling products as a business. Um, and really that, you know, what you described, the empowerment of women and women sellers, if you will, uh, women business owners, frankly, it's pretty powerful brand. And I'm sure there's, I'm not alone. There's millions of people that <laughs> that know an Avon lady or have uh, been visited recently or remember from their childhood, the same experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's, uh, you get a lot of those reactions actually when I, or even when I was still doing my due diligence of, of joining Avon, it's, it's an incredibly well-known and iconic brand. And, you know, many years ago, actually the biggest beauty brand in the world, but, but yeah, it all started indeed, uh, based on that very purposeful nature over 135 years ago, where, you know, all of a sudden our founder kind of said, like, how about we, we offer women the opportunity to become entrepreneurs and actually earn money for themselves? And, you know, that was 62 years before the UN Declaration of Human Rights had actually said that there was equal rights between men and women and 32 years before women could even vote in the UK or, you know, women weren't even allowed back then to stand up at the bar in a pub, for example. But there was this amazing company called Avon that said, we're going to give women the opportunity to give, to earn their own money. And it was interesting when I was still considering of taking the job, I was talking to somebody and uh, told them I'm considering working for Avon. And Avon is amazing. Thanks to Avon, my mom could actually divorce my dad, move out because she had this income and actually take care of us and, and flee quite an abusive relationship with, with his dad. So, you know, it, it kind of permeates the brand. totally. It's such an asset to, to be a steward of, right? Let's talk a little bit about your role. The, I think, I mean, you were head of global brands at Walgreens Boots Alliance, but I think this is your first like quote unquote global CMO role, if I've got it right. And so I'm curious how the role structured, what it all includes. Yeah, I think, you know, when I was still at, at WBA, my role was kind of more, call it like, you know, a CMO role of a division within the company. Still, it's a very sizable division at around $5 billion in turnover. But yeah, it was kind of spread across retailers and then an own brands division. And, you know, so it, it was not as clear cut. 
whilst now, uh, of course, at Avon, part of the executive leadership team of the company reporting into the CEO. So you have much more exposure uh, to, for example, the board of directors of the holding company. And, you know, so, and, and also it influences how the role is structured. It's actually quite, quite a broad role, you know, if, uh, and that is driven by the fact that we're actually a B2B to C company where you have hence more aspects. You both have the B2B and the B2C aspect that, that plays into this role. And, and you know, the, the global marketing organization at Avon is about 1,350 people. So it's, 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 a, it's quite a significant organization. But we have kind of two roles, I would say, or three roles within, within marketing. I think the first one is what you would typically find back in another CPG business or a B2C company. You know, it's like, you know, like P&Gs and the L'Oreal's. You have brand positioning, new product development, advertising development, media planning and activation, you know, uh, all of those things, which, which you find typically in a B2C company. And additionally, you know, because we're B2B and actually we are a channel because, you know, in, in a way, our brochures, which still uh, carry a lot of our sales, in a way is like a store. Uh, and we create 12 to 18 brochures a year, depending on the country. And so every brochure needs to have a trading plan. You know, what do you put on the front cover? What do you give secondary sighting? What promotions are you running? So it's kind of more like a trading job or trading or merchant team uh, job and what they would do in a retailer. So it's quite a commercial, that's why we call it commercial operations, quite a commercial part of, of, uh, of the role actually. And then the third area is more around the omni-channel uh, transformation. So direct to consumer ecosystem commerce, live selling, those kind of channels and opening these up for the brand. So those are kind of the three big areas, you know, brand, kind of more commercial operations, uh, and then and then lastly, uh, kind of omni-channel transformation. Of the brand. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let's talk a little bit more about the challenges then. I mean, it, it's a very different organization from uh, WBA, Avon. And how would you com- either compare the challenges that you're facing now or or just describe them a little bit more in depth? Yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly, you know, in, in WBA, the challenges were slightly different. As I mentioned earlier, it was around, you know, creating global relevance for those brands that were UK bred and born, if you want, uh, uh, as well as then activating that first party data into a, what I called a mass personalization kind of activation through, you know, CRM and data driven marketing and all of those good things. At Avon, I would say that the challenges are indeed different. And I think, you know, that this, this probably 
three main areas that you know link back to my responsibilities. I mean, the first one is, as you said, many people know Avon, but actually very few people then actually consider buying it. So it's it's a very well known brand, but brand consideration needs work, and hence why you know I've been brought in to kind of call it reignite the brand and basically have a have an overhaul of our brand visual identity, our innovation pipeline, the communication kind of campaign, etc., to truly modernize the brand and, and root Avon back in culture and launching amazing innovations uh, on the brand to attract new customers to the brand. So that's kind of one area. I think the second area and challenge is probably around the, what I would call channel reappraisal. Again, that has two lenses on it. One is to attract more representatives to sign up, to become a rep for Avon, as well as to attract more people to shop in the direct selling channel. Because it is an amazing experience to actually shop with an Avon representative and get that personalized beauty advice. But we need to basically reappraise that and, and, and improve the experience you get in, in when you sell with us. And then third uh, main challenge is around opening up beyond just what I would call direct selling. It's really, or a you know, paper catalog, face-to-face selling. Uh, it's really digitizing the business and making our brand more accessible through online channels and then turning the brand into a true omni-channel brand. So those are probably the three biggest challenges that I'm that I'm faced with, if you want. I would love to take a couple of those and kind of go a little deeper. Like if the, we talked about the purpose of Avon is one of the reasons you joined. It's one of the reasons people know the brand and it is historically kind of rooted in that direct selling channel. And so as you're expanding channels in which consumers can interact with reps themselves, but also uh, potentially like reorder or direct sales in the future, like how, how do you, you know, I guess, where do you find either inspiration or how are you thinking about balancing that mission and purpose with the need to modernize at the same time? That's a, that's a tricky one. Yeah, it is uh, because particularly you're dealing with a brand with, with a very strong legacy uh, indeed uh, and a good legacy uh, as well. You know, and that's where, you know, I, I did lots of digging in, in the Avon archives and, and, you know, and, and, and talking to lots of people to understand what makes Avon Avon. And, and I think, you know, that this kind of, I would say probably three things that make Avon Avon. Uh, you know, one bit is, you know, great products, great quality products at great value. The second bit is around this whole purposeful nature of the brand, which we've discussed. And then the third bit is really that personal relationship that is being built between the representative and the customer. And that's why we actually call it, rather than direct selling, we actually call it relationship selling because that's really the crux of it is you have that representative that knows the consumer, knows their family, knows what they their needs are and hence recommends on that basis what the right products are for that customer. And that's actually quite a high-end personal beauty advice that, you know, if you go to department stores, that what <laughs> that's what you get there. So, so in a way, it's it's an amazing asset. But and that's where I think, for me to to retain that clearly, we need to move on from just and it's still an important piece, and it will continue to be an important part of the business. You know, the face to face direct selling model with a paper catalog. I mean, that is still big for us, and so we need to nurture that and embrace that as well. But at the same time. 
that's where then the modernization comes in for the brand is how do we increase the access to the brand? How do we make it possible for our representatives to not have to go to somebody's doorstep with a paper catalog to sell to them? And that's where uh, a few months ago, we launched uh, a new app called Avon On. And what it actually allows our representatives to do is actually to do proper social selling so they can connect their own social media channels. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, they can connect that with our digital asset management tool. So they can take basically pictures. You can say, for example, today I want to sell lipsticks. They put lipsticks in the search in our digital asset management tool. It pops up with a number of images. They select the image they want to use. They either create a headline themselves or they take one of the headlines that we suggest. Then they post this on their social channels. Then if somebody buys through that, of course, they get the commission. Equally, you know, we have now a kind of digital version of our brochure. They can send that link through WhatsApp, through, you know, some of their customers. The customers can flick through the brochure, buy, and then either decide, I want the rep to come to my house to give the products and have a chat about them, how to use them or whatever. Or actually, I prefer them to be delivered next day through the post office or whatever, uh, you know, to have direct delivery to, to their doorstep without the rep being involved. So again, there's a much more, you know, frictionless way of accessing our products rather than always having the rep coming to your door uh, with a paper catalog. And, and that's really the transformation. But again, if the customer wants it, they can still access that personalized beauty advice, that high touch. And that's where I think it's important to differentiate the shopping missions that our customers are on. Are they on a discovery mission? Then probably they would want to talk to a representative. We give them that option. If they're actually just on a replenishment and they know which product they want, etc., you know, there's no need to have the high touch and they can just quickly order it through the links that they get from, from their representatives. Uh, so, so, yeah, so we're definitely opening up uh, this whole ecosystem to, to, and, you know, now actually about, if you would go back two years, only 10% of the customer interactions would happen through digital. Now, actually, that has increased uh, to 30% of uh, you know business transactions uh, happening through digital channels. That's a huge shift. And as you as you talk about it, like I, I had this thought, like you guys are the original social commerce business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is true, actually. Yes, and and actually activating to that point your representatives as a channel, a media channel almost, is absolutely amazing. Like recently we had this activity where we had some influencers go on a seven days challenge with one of our skincare products, our power serum. And, you know, the influencers would do, you know, test their face on a machine, would tell them how old their skin was and how many wrinkles, et cetera, et cetera. And then they would do a new test seven days later after using the product for seven days, and of course, that would show significant progress. And what we saw is that not only did our representatives share that content then through their own channels, so they amplified it, but then equally, many of them actually took the same challenge themselves. And so we gave them some guidance on how to make before, after pictures and things like that, and how to facilitate that whole seven days challenge. And actually, we had loads of our representatives doing that same seven days challenge. And to your point, it is indeed the original social selling. And, and that's where I think we have absolute gold dust in these 5 million representatives and actually activating them as a media channel to amplify the brand. Of 
course, we need to give them the right content to do this uh, is, is absolutely very powerful. No, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, you're doing a lot of work on modernizing the channels to market and, and working with your quote unquote influencers and sellers. You also mentioned revitalizing the Avon brand as well and, and starting with kind of, it sounded like you started with looking through the archives, basically. Where where did the brand start? What all else have you been doing as it relates to revitalizing and, and like how how is that work going at this point? Yeah, indeed. And, and you know, I think, you know, when, when you go back, I think, as I mentioned, you know, I kind of came across three, and we call it the Avon Trinity, if you want, <laughs> three main dimensions for the brand that, that have always been present and that I think in the current cultural context are still very relevant and just need some dusting up and kind of some modernization around that. But clearly the, the first key element is around this element of progress for women and being the brand that stands for progress for women, that both for our representatives as well as our consumers through the products that we offer. And you know that, that kind of comes from that fundamental brand belief that a better world for women is ultimately be a better world for all of us and you know there's lots of research that supports that etc so that was kind of one cornerstone uh, if you want uh, for the brand the, the second one was when you look throughout the history innovation and then creating aspirational beauty but do that at you know irresistible value i would say you know democratizing the best in beauty has always been in the dna of the brand and and so uh, and actually recently the way we started activating that was actually we did some product testing where we tested 20 of our best-selling, most iconic products versus prestige products that would actually cost three to four times more. And in all cases, actually, our products scored parity if not better on some dimensions than a product that costs three to four times more. So again, it's a real cornerstone, but we need to talk more about that because you know people don't necessarily perceive the brand like as such. And they, they feel, well, if it's at this price point, maybe it's not very good. And actually that's where we need to re-emphasize that low prices don't necessarily mean bad quality. Uh, on the contrary, as said, our products are as good as products that cost uh, three to four times more. So that's kind of the second cornerstone. Uh, and then the, the third cornerstone, which I call it beauty from and for the community. And it's kind of that personalized relationship selling aspect of the brand uh, where we give our customers personalized uh, beauty advice. And so, and that's linked back to what I mentioned earlier, this is really a channel reappraisal campaign that shows how amazing it is to shop with an Avon rep, but also how amazing it is to be an Avon rep. So that's, that's we, we call it, uh, the campaign has just been released and it's around, you know, it's, we call it Beauty Your Way campaign. It really emphasizes, whilst in the past, we would have a lot of representatives join us because there was a free gift or whatever, Actually, we've taken that away. And because when we asked our representative, why do you join Avon? Clearly, about half of them say we mainly join because it gives me an extra income, particularly relevant currently in the current cost of living crisis. But then the other half actually says, I do this because I'm very passionate about beauty. And actually, I love connecting with my community. I actually love that kind of element of relationship where I can go. Actually, the, the best quote I've heard from a rep is, I don't see go see clients, I actually go see friends. And we talk about beauty. Uh, and, and it's that element that I think we need to emphasize uh, because, you know, sometimes an Avon representative doesn't have the best possible image to it because people think it's still door-to-door -door selling with a paper catalog. But, you know, it's a digitized business and 
I just saw some stats this morning, actually, that showed that on the back of this new recruitment campaign, over 20% of the new people who have joined us during the month of uh, June, actually, when we re started releasing this campaign, uh, over 21% are Gen Z. So they're between 18 and 25 years old. So, you know, it, it's a real good sign that on the back of this modernization, both in terms of how our representative sells, and repositioning the brand and, and some of the, the channel kind of reappraisal, as I mentioned, that this is attracting uh, a, a new and different type of representative that I think will help again on the long term uh, in terms of the reappraisal of the brand and the channel. Yeah, I applaud your efforts. I mean, it's amazing what you're doing and working on all multiple different fronts. And I, I just love stories of like great brands and businesses it may have become a little dusty over the years getting a new getting new life and uh and finding finding new new platforms to grow it's actually the most enjoyable thing i get to hear <laughs> so I applaud your efforts um but i mean you are working on so many different fronts i'm curious like as you're transforming all of these different areas like what type of marketing talent are you looking for these days and has it changed? Has it changed at all? Well, it's and indeed it's it's quite a broad role. So yeah, ideally I'd look for unicorns. Uh, you know, unicorns that uh, do both amazing brand building as well as you know amazing digitally native kind of talent. But yeah, those are quite difficult to find. But in a way, you know, on the one hand, I you know you can call it almost East Coast versus West Coast marketing. Uh, you know, on the one hand. I need great brand builders. People can tell amazing stories. Uh, you know, I almost call them story sellers because ultimately we need to give our representatives stories that they can tell their customers and they're going to bring their customers into the brand and, and buy the products that we offer. And then you have this whole, how do we make our brochures attractive and tell those stories, et cetera, because it's still a really important tool for us. So, you know, it, it, I would call it, you know, the East Coast marketing skill of, 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 of great creative brand storytelling, et cetera, and, and, and help with that brand transformation piece. Uh, that I was mentioning earlier and, and telling the story and updating the story and modernizing the story around the Avon brand that what makes it special. But then secondly, you know, as we're venturing, as I mentioned, quite firmly into a more omni-channel model where it's no longer about the door-to-door -door paper catalog, but it, it's a true omni-channel model that includes DTC, social selling, live selling, a whole ecosystem in how uh, we want our representatives to, to be selling going forward. I do need people who, who are you know, absolute wizards with first-party data, digital, who can do, uh, you know, who are excellent in precision media, CRM and loyalty programs, personalization, all of those things. So, so yeah, so that's kind of the, I would say, the talent that I'm looking for. And, and still, it's very difficult to find people who, who are good at both. So the only thing, if there's any talent at the start of their career that is listening, my strong advice is, because I do think it's the future, is experiment laterally in both type of roles. Don't necessarily focus on, oh, I'm going to become an absolute expert in just 
digital marketing or an absolute expert in creating amazing brand stories and positioning. You need both skills. I think uh, you need the bit of East Coast and West Coast to to be successful. I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. And though there's not enough unicorns to go around either. So you can uh, you can if you are a unicorn and you develop yourself as such, there's a strong pipeline for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, not the only one looking for them. Indeed. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Well, this has been this has been a lot of fun talking about Avon and learning about that. Uh, normally, I ask my favorite question, but I've already asked it of you. The question for listeners is, you know, what experience of your past defines and makes up who you are today? But on episode 208, we learned that your leadership style is driven by James Collins' book, Good to Great, and this concept of a level five leader and of being humble yet driven and the experience you had working with a leader at P&G that initially canned your project, <laughs> but demonstrated that level five leadership, you know, listening to you and ultimately made the decision to revive the project that went on to win awards within P&G. So I encourage listeners to go back, listen to 208. Um, it's a great story. And uh, I won't repeat it here other than just the summary, summary of it. But I have a few more questions for you. And I'm curious, you know, is there a topic you think marketers need to be learning more about today? Or maybe it's something you're trying to learn more about yourself? Yeah, and it links back to the talent question that you, you've just asked. I think it's really important that you manage both in a balanced way, you know, and, and you know, there's, there's, there's some uh, kerfuffle currently between, you know, the, the, the marketing greatness of this world between, you know, Byron Sharp and, and Binan Field and, you know, the kind of flagging each other off. But, you know, I think ultimately the truth is somewhere in the middle. You need both. And I think I've actually, before I started the Avon role, I had some time off on garden leave and I actually took the time to actually read back you know, the how brands grow from Byron Sharp and I read uh, Binet and Field again. And I think it's important that because they're such important and kitchen logic concept, but so often they get forgotten in the day-to-day -day action. So that that's one I would say linked with the, call it the East Coast <laughs> kind of marketing. From a West Coast marketing, I mean, can only blink and everything has changed. And so, so being on top of, if you think about everything that is changing around you know, the deprivation of a third-party cookie, some interventions Apple put into iOS in terms of privacy. I mean, next year we'll have the sunset of, of GA360 and the forced move into GA4 and, and the implications that that has from, from a privacy perspective and the use of data. I mean, you need your first party data yourself. If you don't have it, you're going to be vulnerable as a business. And so really reading up on the fast evolving landscape in that space and make sure that you're equipped to deal with that and that you focus on building your own first party data set and MarTech infrastructure to be able to leverage that. I think is, is absolutely crucial. So those would probably be my top two tips if you want. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's perfect. And um, the highlight of Byron and uh, Bennett and Field and the dispute that's going on between them. And, it, and you said you think you need both. Well, that brings up another character in the mix of Mark Ritson, I think, who coined the term bothism in a uh, rather provocative talk I think he gave to the, I, I think it was the IPA with a lot of uh, rather lewd references to things in, in normal Mark Ritson style. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yes, <laughs> yes. But, I, but, I, but I, think, I think bothism is where we are and you can't, you can't elude 
the desire and need to understand the privacy and the regulations and the and how that's going to impact everyone's martech infrastructure so yeah great ads so what brands companies or causes do you follow personally or you think other people should take notice of yeah i mean uh, and, and of course uh, if, if i look maybe outside of of my own industry i think i really admire what a brand like Allbirds uh, is doing, you know, the, the shoe uh, company. I think any company, and uh, it links back, you know, to me choosing Avon as well as, uh, and giving the brand a new lease of life of another hundred of hundred years or so, is, you know, I think as a business, you need to successfully combine commerce and purpose because I think only those brands will eventually survive uh, on the longer term uh, if they if they do add uh, something to society and and you know i think the way all birds showed up and kind of shocked the industry a little bit with their positioning and you know it's so it's such a great positioning you know, it's it's all about comfort simplicity and environmental impact and and that's kind of it and you know i, I was really admiring how they then actually teamed up with one of their biggest competitors and you know, adidas to create the lowest carbon footprint sneaker etc i think they're they're just the way they operate uh, and i know they had a bit of a bumpy ipo but <laughs> beyond that i think uh, uh it's it's uh, i think as a company and, and the way they operate they position themselves and how they're incredibly true to their north star uh, i think is really admirable no i i agree and um i i now that you mentioned that my allbirds that i have are getting a little worn and i need to maybe go buy a new pair <laughs> yeah they're great comfortable shoes and and to your point the eco story is is amazing as well last question for you what do you think is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today yeah i think i mean the, the biggest threat is probably not driving growth as a marketeer i think i mentioned that last time as well you know because i think the average tenure of a cmo has now is now down to 18 months <laughs> if i recall stats correctly it's now the chief most out or something like that but uh you know and, and actually i think this, this, there was another stat that i saw is that i think 75 percent of ceos believe that their marketeers don't really understand roi <laughs> so, so i think if you're just a pretty pictures department that's a, that's a that's a pretty big threat i think the other bit is you know the moment you stop being curious and you stop learning as a marketeer that's when i think it all ends i think you need to you're you're the person who you know keeps the c-suite focused on the on the most important bit which is ultimately the customer and the consumer because if you lose that person out of sight your business is not going to grow and and i think you know for that you need to continue to learn and develop yourself but equally be incredibly focused on what is it that you're delivering to the company from a return on investment perspective and that's beyond of course to just pure marketing investment but also around you know how are you going to hack growth for your company who how are you going to disrupt your own business before somebody else does it because most of the other people around the table and the other functions are more focused on the operations of the business i think you as a marketeer you need to lift yourself out of the weeds regularly to look ahead to look forward to look towards the future and make sure that you know you can continue to drive growth on the long term and in a sustainable way. Well, Christoph, it's always fun to have you on and have a stimulating conversation. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Ah, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, 
please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 